0: Welcome, everyone, to Dead Talk Live. And tonight we have our guest, Peter Anthony, who is very, very well known for his Friday the 13th fan films. Peter, thank you for being our guest. How are you doing tonight?
1: Can you hear me? Good. Thanks for having me on this uh, Friday evening. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. We can hear and see you perfectly. So let's get right to it. Uh, fan films. Uh, which is what you do, have been around for a long time. But with the blow-up of technology and, of course, the Internet age, they have become a lot more prominent and available to viewers. So walk us through, how did you first get started with making these films?
1: Um, So the original film was Vengeance, which you had Jason Brooks on uh, the other day, Mm -hmm. um, who was a producer and played the Jason in that. Uh, long story short, the, the, the big part of these fan films is the fundraising. So really the fans is, is connecting and tying in with the fan base so that you can get the proper funds to make the movie. And that's like you said, that's what took it from Johnny in his backyard with his phone to getting really nice equipment and trying to make a Hollywood style film uh, to, to the best of our ability, obviously. Um, so uh, they 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 had a fundraiser. They didn't raise what they wanted to um, they I was kind of known in the community because I always went to conventions and I was friends with a lot of the Jason's and, and Kane and so on and so forth and they asked me if they think I could raise more funds I said yeah we got to go about it this way I Had to talk with Jason Brooks this is what we got to do here's the game plan here's how many people we have to have and I think we raised $47,000 in like 61 days Not bad. so that yeah so that was the beginning of vengeance. And then we actually wanted Kane Hodder for a prisoner role and he he, Kane doesn't do non-SAG films. So they actually gave me the role. Um, and then from then on, it just kind of took off from there. And then I just got more and more invested in more and more films and did more fundraisers, had a little bit more
0: success, and then decided to jump on my own with Roseblood. Now let's talk about Roseblood. Okay. That is in post-production. Uh, how close is it to being released?
1: we are adding score right now so it releases november 29th at 8 p.m. on youtube we have a premiere physically in connecticut on the 28th but to the rest of the audience the 29th
0: nice so when it came to rose blood would you say that so far has been the film that you were able to raise the most funds for
1: up to yeah the- we raised yeah we raised 52 grand in a, in a uh, a 45 day fundraiser and then we raised uh, around sixteen grand in a thirty-day fundraiser after the movie was done. Nice. So we've raised uh, sixty-eight thousand dollars, which is really good.
0: So now you directing these films, you're starring in them as a fan film. You got to do. You got to wear a lot of different hats. Uh, what would you say? I mean, are some of the differences when you're working even on a low budget but investor film? Somebody that is. Uh, dumped, you know, fifty to 100000 dollars to something that you had to raise the funds all by yourself. Walk us through some of the biggest differences, uh, besides having to wear multiple hats.
1: Uh, it's it's funny you say that because it's a little bit of both. Because I probably have sixty grand into the movie, and Sean Lutus, who is the executive producer, might have two hundred grand in the in the movie. So it's kind of like a little bit of both. So do we have to add the extra funds? No. But like once you land Lar Park Lincoln and Terry Kaiser and Kevin Spiritus and you get the real costume from part seven, it's like, man, let's go all out, you know. So uh, it's a little bit of both. And and it's a lot of pressure, man, because I'm such a huge fan. I mean, if you look behind me, these are all shadow boxes from all the different movies. That's part seven. And I want to get it right. So it's like, you know what? I'm going to spend as much money as I can to get this one right.
0: And a lot of people say, and this is uh, no joke, that fan films are a lot of times better than, you know, the movie production type films, because in my opinion, it's the passion that goes in behind it.
1: Sorry. I, yes, I, I, I agree. 1, 000, I think this is the real thing. And you know this with following movies as much as you do. Uh, there's one voice. Which is me. Now, do I listen to everybody? Of course. I listen to my producers, I listen to my director of photography, I listen to Jason Brooks, I listen to everybody. But at the end, there's one voice. I think the thing that harps Hollywood is you have so many different voices. You have so many different people whose money's involved, and producers, and writers, and directors, and studios, and everybody's of like put their own little spin on it, and when you're done putting 10 different spins, the story doesn't really make sense anymore. Mm-hmm. And they don't really have balls to go places that these fan films will. So I, I think that that's where we have the advantage. And I agree. It's, it's a, thank you for saying that, because I think it is a passion thing. that We've we, we got so much passion in it that even though it's not going to be a Hollywood film, the passion comes across on the screen to the fan.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now when the film releases, you know, in this case, Roseblood, but any fan film that you've made, what are your expectations as the creator, director, producer? Uh, What is it that you wish to gain the most? Is it just the entertaining the fans? Uh, How much of it is money based? How is money made off of this film?
1: No money's made, so it's illegal to make money. So um when you have a fan film, there's a rule where every thirty minutes you can make fifty grand. You can raise fifty thousand dollars for every fifteen to thirty minutes, I believe. Um you cannot monetize on it. You have to release the movie on YouTube or social media platform, and any profits that you make you give the charity. So Roseblood uh, Vengeance One, we gave twenty four, twenty seven thousand dollars to the Shriners Children's Hospital. And I gave my stepson, who's long, no longer with us, uh, he's with us in the world, just not with me. We gave uh, a couple thousand dollars to his college fund. That was the uh, the charity for this one.
0: Very, very nice. So for you, it's not money at all. It's just the, the love for the Friday the 13th, in this case, and the love of filmmaking.
1: 100 million. I mean, I'm losing money every time I do one of these. But to me, it's not losing it because it's my dream. You know, I mean, even like if you can see back there, all the masks. We can see it. Yeah. So so um, it, it's just been a dream of mine forever to, to to even be around the franchise. So then to make it, it's like I got to do it right. And and the goal, like you said, I mean, that's a great question. Uh, I think it's just to satisfy the fans. Of course, you're going to get people pissed off. Hey, I hate half of the, the studio film. So <laughs> I get it. Some people are not going to like it. But if I, can, if I can appease the fans, the fan base, and they say, hey, good job, or way to try for it, and we all can enjoy the film for what it is, that's like what means something to me, because I'm just a fan too, so.
0: Yeah. Now, when did your passion for Friday the 13th start? Was it as a young child? When did you really fall in love with this franchise? I was um, like six years old in, in my parents' basement making Friday
1: the 13th masks. Uh remember back in the day, like, the only thing that would play, like, those movies was HBO. I'm 45 years old. So, HBO, and then maybe, like, USA Up All Night, but it would take the kills out. Remember?
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm 47. I'm just two years older than
1: you. Yeah. So, like, HBO was, like, the only thing. So, HBO, we didn't have it in our rooms with my parents. So, it was downstairs. So, I'd have to sneak downstairs. And, you know, like... This generation's different. Um, horror is, like, sexy now. Yeah. We're like, back when we were young, our parents didn't watch horror like that. It wasn't, like, cool to be, like, you're almost a weirdo. Mm-mm, yeah. So, so, yeah. So, so to me, this I was, like, five years old making little masks and sneaking downstairs and watching all the
0: Jasons on HBO. So, man, I've literally been, like, a super fan for as long as I have a memory. So, when you take, like, the 80s slasher films, of course, you have Michael, Jason, Freddie, uh, I mean, obviously, Jason is, I would say, your favorite. Uh, Where do the other two, like, big slashers, stand in your heart? Like the Michael Myers and the Freddy Krueger's? It's so weird, because Freddy is is the
1: more intelligent one. Um, I'm a former fighter, so I've I've trained MMA and fought and, you know, mixed in a whole bunch of street fights. So, like... I love the Michael and the Jason aspect, but I also love like the mental warfare of Freddy mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, he he can bring you in his realm and you can't do shit about it and he's going to talk shit to you. But I got to have I got to have Halloween uh second. Um Jason Friday 13 Halloween and then uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. But I mean, if you think about the scariest films ever, it's probably Halloween 1 and then Freddy 1 right after that.
0: Yeah, yeah, the original Nightmare on Elm Street was really Sk- scary. Was really yeah. scary. Uh now in the in the Friday the 13th franchise, you know rate your top three films because God knows there's been plenty of them. Well, what would you say is your favorite? I'm gonna I'm do my top three but you're gonna do your top three after that. How's that? okay all right all
1: right uh, number four is number one it's right over here. Ted White Adam signed the 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 uh, knife. then number six and
0: then number seven. That's for me for me it's we share the same number one part four i love the final chapter which of course was not the final chapter then (laughs) i would have to go with the original uh friday the 13th and then after that it gets really hazy but i really enjoyed part three i like three right there too part three had some great kills and it was a 3d film too yeah, which was, was groundbreaking. Remember
1: how she's in the cot and she's
0: reading the Fangoria? Yeah. I also remember that great kill scene. Can oh, wow. That's awesome, man. you got a great collection. <laughs> yeah,
1: like I said, uh, a super fan for sure.
0: My favorite kill scene from part three, I forget the character's name, but when he squeezes his head and the eyeball comes flying right at you.
1: Yeah, that was great. It's kind of cheesy when you look at it now, but it was still great then.
0: It yeah. was great. It was great. Now, you're known for your your marketing prowess, especially from the sales world. How did you combine your sales experience into marketing a film?
1: Oh, man, you did your homework. Um, I do it all the time. So I'll speak with Jason Brooks and Sean, and, and, and I'll, I'll constantly like throw all these sales analogies at them and stuff like that. So it's like, Everything is a visual world. Right. So when you when you come up with these perks or these ideas, uh, somebody's on their phone, you, you even though you think it looks good on your end. What are they doing? What are they seeing? So they're on their phone, either on the toilet or at work or in their car. And you, you the visual thing has to grab them. The words have to be large. And like I said, what makes them reach into their pocket to give you money? Mm-hmm. If you can't figure that out on that post and you didn't do a good job on that post. Yeah. You know, and, and not only what get their money, but what excites them, what makes them want to be part of the film. So that I've been in sales since I was 18, so 27 years. So I'm constantly in that mode. So I think it, it was beneficial for sure for me for for marketing. And then the fact that I'm such a big fan with Friday the 13th, you have my marketing with sales
0: for prep for professionally and then my love for the franchise, I think it was a, a good fit for me yeah now uh you know obviously you've got all this sales experience you're a horror fan especially friday the 13th when did you decide to pick up a camera and start doing this man i've never picked up a camera (laughs) so i
1: don't even know how to use the camera so uh even though I've learned now um, when I was going to make the film, I was going to ask Riley Lorden to make it. He hosts, a, a, a successful podcast slashing cast mm-hmm. and, uh, he made fall of camp blood. And I said, Hey man, why don't you direct this? And he's like, why don't you direct it? I'm like, I don't even know how to turn on a camera. I said, you don't need to turn on a camera to be a director. You just gotta be well organized, have a passion and be able to put people together that are really good. I'm like, I can do that. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, Cody Newton, who's my director of photography, is the camera man. Um, Ryan Race, Riley Lord, all of them were the camera guys. Um, so I did learn a lot while, while on set, but before then, I didn't even know how to turn it on. But it, it, my success is only because of them. I say this a thousand times. It's not cliche. It's a 100%. I didn't know how to turn on a camera. Um, I got the best people that I, Jason Brooks as Jason. Jason Brooks as a prop guy. The Amos brothers did props on board. He's like... I tried to get the best of everybody that I possibly could with the finances that I could to make the movie and let them shine. Don't oh, don't micromanage them. Let them shine. If you have to step in here and there, do it. But to me, that's what I did.
0: Now, uh, obviously I assume you've gone to the and you've met cast members throughout the movies. Uh, you said you've met Kane Hodder. Uh, have you had the pleasure of meeting CJ Graham?
1: C.J. Graham and me um, just
0: Marco'd a couple
1: months ago. We FaceTimed a couple months ago. C.J. Graham is on Vengeance. Nice, nice. So I'm in the movie with Vengeance. I'm friends with his wife, Ruby. Um, C.J. likes to bust my balls because I used to be like a bodybuilder. And uh, me and him will bust balls on Jason because Jason's taller than C.J., but CJ's bigger than Jason. (laughs) (laughs) so it's a great thing yeah i'm i'm pretty decent friends with cj he's a great guy former military guy we um we get along great it's it's weird man it's like some of these days i wake up and i'm like look at my phone it's like uh lar park lincoln called i gotta call cj and this and that i'm like man what this is unbelievable for a kid who grew up like a huge fan, it's it's I gotta pinch myself sometimes.
0: Now, uh, Tuesday this past Tuesday, I think you mentioned it, I had Deborah Voorhees on the show. She is the writer and director of a movie that's actually releasing today called Thirteen Fanboy, where right. uh, cast and characters from all the prior Friday the Thirteenth movies play themselves and they are stalked by uh, somebody who cannot distinguish between fiction and movies and reality and sees them as the characters that they play in Friday the 13th. Um, It just came out today, but are you planning on watching this, uh, watching that film? I've been
1: on um, podcast since 7 p.m. It's 9.53 where I am. But, yeah, I definitely am, because Laura Park Lincoln, who plays in Artina, is in that movie. Yeah. And I where earlier, she said the movie was great, and all my friend Ken Slate, who's another gentleman who's in our movies, um, he's he's in it. And uh, so, once I get done, I finally get a breath. I'm definitely want to watch it. I think it's on Hulu.
0: Yeah, and uh, I, I, we're I'm in, you know, with the help of Deborah, we're trying to assemble a a Halloween special with the entire cast on here. Oh, so I'm really looking forward to that. Now, uh, you have mentioned in the past. Uh, I've read this, that how important color is to you when you're making your films. Uh, why don't you describe that to me? I've spoken to many different filmmakers and they all have their thing, whether it's sound, body movement. For you, it seems to be color. So how do you use color to represent what you want in a film? Great question. Thanks for asking.
1: Um,
0: well, first of all, we had a, you know the
1: budget. We built a, a building within a month. So we could not really stock the building with fixtures and lights and lamps and and drapes and stuff like we wanted to. You'll see a lot of that in Vengeance 2. In ours, it's a lot of white walls. And the reason why we did that is because we shot an entire feature film in eight days. So the walls, all the pictures are interchangeable. All the signs are interchangeable. All the doors are interchangeable. We actually paint rooms while we're moving to other rooms for shots later. So to me... I needed the environment, since it was so bland, to tell its own story in its own way without you really realizing it. And I I go back to Star Wars with that, Mm -hmm. um, where Star Wars 1 was very very sandy color, you know? And Star Wars 2 was the snow white, and Star Wars 3 was the Endor forest, it was green. So I'm like, I, I need people to subconsciously realize what's going on so they don't pay attention to how white the walls are and how much is not going on. So the military is all green they're all in military uh tina who's pure and special is pink Mm -hmm. and rose who's the new the new blood the rose blood who you think is evil but you don't really know is red uh the duke is multicolored because he doesn't really fit in any aspect of any any of these things he's his own person he's a rebel so he's multicolored all the lab workers are white they fit in with the building they don't matter they're just the pawns and um and, and, and the F.A.S.T. team is all black because they're, they're badasses. They're there to fight Jason with the red
0: patch. So I,
1: I wanted those symbolisms of color. Even if you don't notice it outwardly, you notice it subconsciously.
0: Yeah, that's very true. Now, you also are a writer. Uh, do you write the screenplays for all your projects? This is the first. This is the first time I wrote or uh, a script and or a screenplay and how do you feel you know now that it's done about getting ready to premiere how do you feel what i mean how do you feel about that experience of writing it well i mean to tell you the truth i was nervous i didn't even know how to write
1: and like um i had to get um uh oh my god final final draft so that's what the a lot of the pros use i guess in hollywood and i didn't know how to use it so i got with jason brooks i'm like how do i because you got to tab tab enter do all this stuff especially and um, I did all that. And then I would share the script with everybody. They would give their little ideas, but mostly they liked it. And then I sent it to Lar. This is documented on, on interviews. Lar said it's the best Friday 13th continuation script she's ever seen. I'm like, what? Wow. I figured she was just saying that because she's on the movie, you know. But no, she liked it. Everybody seemed to like it. Um, I listened to when people gave me advice on it. So I feel good about it. But then again, you know, as much as you feel good about it, it's still you're a first time writer, so you're nervous. I mean, uh, Steven Spielberg, I'm sure looks at his first script and hates it. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So, so, so as much as I think I like it, I'm sure there's gonna be a million things I don't like about it. Already just even, I noticed a lot, I don't know if you've written in screenplay, writing mm-hmm. screenplay is completely different. You know, what you write and then what actually physically happens in the scene and where the camera is and what can happen, a lot of things change. You're like, oh, that doesn't work so i learned a lot that way so i feel i feel good with that only because the people around me said it was good um so so i'm excited Uh, i'm nervous and excited at the same time
0: now that you got the first writing project out of the way is it something you want to continue exploring yeah i've actually got approached uh uh, from a
1: couple people about it um i've actually you're probably you're gonna be the first person to hear this but we got approached on, on Roseblood 2. So a lot of the cast members are really pushing me to write Roseblood 2. But now, man, I'm telling you, man, between me and you, it's, like, scary. It's, like, well, how do I capture lightning in a bottle again? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, like, yeah. I want to retire with, like, a decent one instead of, like, ruining it on the second one. So we'll see.
0: So you've had all this success uh, with fan films, and it begs the question, uh, are you interested in... I don't even know what the right word is. Going pro is not appropriate. I mean, original you're already content. a pro. Are you interested
1: in original content? Yeah.
0: Um,
1: we're trying to figure out a way. If we do a, a Roseblood um we're trying to figure out a way to make it original content because ninety percent of the characters are mine,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: and, and and Tina and and Nick um, can be changed. So, we'll see. I've been approached on a couple different projects for original content. I just got to get this one out of the way. It's so much work. but yeah. And then take a couple months off, you know? Yeah. And get a breather and then go back in. But I, I would love it. I just love challenges, you know? Um, so, I, we'll see. I'm, I'm not scared to fail. There's nobody that's successful that hasn't failed.
0: No. You have to fail to learn. Exactly. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. Now, when you're making these movies, uh, besides the Friday the 13th movies what other uh movies filmmakers directors do you draw inspiration from um
1: man i love the godfathers you know oh,
0: man i'm right there with you
1: oh man except for three obviously
0: uh, uh, know, three i gotta say it's been 31 years and at first when it came out i saw it in the theaters i was disappointed as well but you know time puts its place it's it's obviously out of three, it's number three in the likability. But on its own, it's not such a bad movie. It just doesn't. It doesn't. there's two things. One, uh, the,
1: uh, Tom Negan should have been should have been in there.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, the, he he wanted.
1: They said they paid um, Pacino five times more than him, and he said that's not fair. He's like, just yeah. give me two times more than me or three times more than me, and I'll do the film. So he he. Always should have been like the rightful takeover or the second in charge for me. Um, The movie just doesn't draw you in like one and two does. One and two, you feel like they're your family, Mm -hmm. you know. And then it's in like the whole he's falling in love, messing around with his cousin. That's like a big sin, big no, no. That takes away from he put his own daughter in the film. I felt like, man, this franchise is too big. You really think that your daughter was the best actress available? Like, give me a break. Yeah, you know. So, but one and two. I don't know if you can get more perfect of a film than than yeah. one. So I, I actually think two might be better than one.
0: Me too. My son thinks one is slightly better than two, but I think two. I'm with you. I think two is uh, better than one. When you learn about all of them and where they came from and how they, you know, they, they were robbing the rugs and
1: they they made, made the oil business. And, yeah. Uh, remember the the scared uh, the 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 hotel owner, the landowner. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. He's trying to get out. He's all nervous. Oh, man, I, I thought that, that that was just perfect. So you
0: know? The Godfather, it, it, I mean, it's not horror per se, but you, how do you draw, like from you mentioned The Godfather, how do you draw inspiration from The Godfather and try to incorporate that into your films?
1: Sim, so symbolism. So um, there's a lot of scenes in mind that they're symbolism, and when they speak of things, they speak of things um, – in, in, in other aspects, so there's times in the movie where they're speaking about card games, they're playing card games, and when they're speaking on card games, they're talking about, well, she's the queen then, right? Mm-hmm. Aren't you her king? Like, that's not a line, but I, I basically try to take physical things that are happening in the scene and incorporate incorporate them on, on a w- play on words, you know what I'm saying? So I try to symbolize when I can, if it fits the character with everything, like, like there's a line where Tina talks to the Duke and says you know it's like I'm just a lab rat and you're just providing the cheese you don't care about me you don't care you don't care if the lab rat dies and that's how I tried to make it seem like they're in a maze a an lab rat, and the Duke is just watching over and does he really care if she dies or not because the Duke yeah. in nine kind of is for himself so there's a lot of times where I incorporate the verbiage to, to match symbolism or something else
0: now all your films are on YouTube is that is that correct well, this is the only film that's completely mine, but yeah,
1: Fall Camp Blood comes
0: out, which I
1: star in and produced, and uh, Vengeance is on YouTube. What's the name of your t- YouTube channel? Um, Man, you had to ask me, right? I think it's the <laughs> Peter Anthony. This is how much I'm prepared. <laughs> uh, I think- is it all right? Right we can now.
0: look up Rose Blood, and uh, I'm sure it will show up. Uh, say that again?
1: Peter Anthony Productions.
0: Okay, awesome, awesome. Uh, so people can go check them out and see what you've got on there. I want to make sure that they that you get that plug. Now, when Thank it you. comes to vengeance and now Roseblood, which has yet to be released, uh, which one are you more more proud of? It's got to be Roseblood only
1: because vengeance one I didn't write, vengeance one I didn't direct, or I didn't cast, I didn't do props, I didn't do any of that. I was I'm so proud that I got that chance from jeremy brown the director and jason brooks Mm -hmm. um but as far as like you know once you get to do your own and and incorporate you know part seven is one of my favorite and get them all i'd be lying if i say i wasn't more proud of this one creating it from the ground up
0: (laughs) yeah now we as fans have been deprived of a friday the 13th movie because of legal battles that are still fighting their way out there was a development a couple of weeks ago where the writer got the rights back Um, would you like what would you like to see done with this franchise would you like to see a complete reboot or some kind of continuation
1: i think the continuation is impossible at this point only Mm -hmm. because i mean the 2009 was a reboot right Mm -hmm. and that's man that's 12 years ago so you're talking it's going to be 13 14 15 years before they rego so i I think that would be kind of hard to continue at that point. The other ones before that were some of the worst films. Part 9, mm-hmm. Part 8, Part 10 so you really couldn't continue that. Part 10's in the future. I think you need to do a Halloween where you just completely revamp it and tell it your own way for, for three movies. Uh, I think that's the way. Uh, man, I would love for Blumhouse to do it for sure.
0: What'd you think of the 2009 reboot?
1: Um, Jason looked great. Derek Mears I, I've met him probably 10 times. I thought he was great. I thought the look was great. I thought the story. I thought the campiness was good. Uh, just the story just didn't buy me. He doesn't take yeah. prisoners. It just it didn't. And the characters are throwaways. Tell me, tell me one of the characters that you actually care about in that movie. Yeah, none of them.
0: You're right. And they they try to redo Jason and his personality and who he is, and that just took away from right. it. I say it did, but he was he was so good and so brutal. So oh, that wow. part's great. Yeah, I say start with a clean slate and, you know, above all else, find a good story. You know, don't just make it all about the kills and Jason walking around with his machete. Put together a good story. Start with that and then work your way up. And let's see uh, what they come to. Now, are there any pressures... uh, that are different when doing a fan film as compared to something else what pressures do you feel when you're putting together these films
1: oh man i put a lot of pressure on myself so um we'll try to dissect it as far as like making a quality product you know i don't sleep i'm constantly working on stuff my entire room is is just stuff for perks and for fans um every day i go to sleep what can i get better at tomorrow so this weekend tomorrow I'm handing out 180 posters, 180 magnets, and 180 flyers for the premiere at a Connecticut HorrorCon uh, festival f- film. Uh, like Every day, I'm just, I feel like I have this um, father figure feeling for my cast and crew, and I just want them to do good. I want them to be proud of the effort that I put in. So I put a lot of pressure on myself with that, probably too much. Um, as far as the fans, there's always pressure. you got fans that are going to hate every single thing you do, some of it righteously and some of it unrighteously some of them's like your film sucks I could do one better you know yeah.
0: and then you're like well, then go then on out it. and do I it don't care.
1: I'm not mad at you. <laughs> yeah and I would I would support it yeah. but that's always going to be there half the people believe in god half don't half the people like one president half hate him just the way the world is exactly you know so you just got to kind of deal with that
0: yeah uh so yeah. you feel the biggest responsibility is when it comes to your actors you want to make sure you give them the best shot and opportunity
1: uh, the casting and crew, um, it's like, man, you made my dream come true, so I owe you. Um, and that's why I'm doing this premiere. I mean, most people do a movie premiere, but I'm doing a premiere and convention. And I'm allowing all these fans to have their own tables to sell stuff from other movies, like Terry Kaiser and Lars. You could sell stuff from any movie. You could promote any other movie. I'm paying local cosplayers. I'm paying a local wedding venue to do it. Um, I'm having uh, vendors there that are locally. I'm trying to give back to all them because – Without those fans giving that money, people get lose sight of that. I don't have my dream, so I never want to forget that. And this is how, like, I can pay you back.
0: Now, for you and your career, uh, when it comes to films, what would you like to see happen moving forward for you? For my next move. Yeah, your next move, your next career. Uh, do you want to be approached by uh, to do original content to get you know? several hundred thousand dollar budget and do a film, what What do you want? I've got some roles um,
1: that I was, uh, I was supposed to be in this year, but um, uh, without getting too deep in it, with some COVID protocols, I ended up backing out, but there's there's another Z Dead End that I'll be in in California with Kane Hodder, that's an original content film, um, and there's a few other ones that are coming up that are original content, for me, acting um, as original content film. So, like I said, once Rosebud comes out, I really think I'll take a stab at that one original content, try to go to Amazon, see if we really can hit a home run and be successful with it and try to make some of the money back. Because if I don't do it with this kind of run that I'm on, I think I'll always kick myself. So I think I'll try.
0: Well, that's awesome. Anthony, uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on here (laughs) and doing this interview and letting us know because Like I said at the beginning, fan films are a big thing, and there are a lot of people, I'm one of them, there are a lot of fan films that are better than stuff that you see that cost a million dollars, okay? And for me, it's about the passion, and you're obviously very passionate about what you. you do, and it's what makes your movie so good. And I want to thank you for coming on here and sharing that passion and explaining it to me and my audience, and all the people who are going to see this. Any final thoughts before we go? No, you're you're going to give me your your contact information because when the movie comes out, I'm going to send
1: you posters and magnets and Blu-rays and signatures and everything,
0: man. Awesome, awesome. Uh, Thank Thank you. you to Peter. Thank you to our audience for tuning in tonight. Stay safe. Have a great weekend. Until next time, on behalf of Peter, Anthony, and myself, stay safe, stay walking. Good night, everybody.